The Daily 202's Big Idea is sponsored by Cleveland Clinic, ranked number one in the nation in heart care, 24 years in a row, according to U.S. News and World Report. More information is available at clevelandclinic.org slash rankings. Good morning. I'm James Hellman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Tuesday, August 21st. In today's news, Microsoft discovers phishing websites linked to the Russian government targeting Americans. President Trump encourages John Brennan to sue him. And Brett Kavanaugh pushed Ken Starr to ask Bill Clinton extremely graphic questions about Monica Lewinsky. But first, the big idea. Melania Trump announced Monday night that she will make a solo trip to Africa this October. It was the First Lady's second act of defiance of the day. Earlier on Monday, as her husband was lashing out at his political opponents on Twitter, the First Lady spoke at a conference about the danger of abusive online behavior in Maryland. In today's global society, social media is an inventable part of our children's daily lives. It can be used in many positive ways, but can also be destructive and harmful when used incorrectly. Now, she didn't mention her husband by name. She didn't need to. Literally, as this event was still going on, Trump was ripping former CIA director John Brennan as a, quote, hack. Last week, the president called former senior White House aide Omarosa Manigal Newman a dog and a, quote, crazed, crying lowlife after her tell-all book about him was published. By one estimate, Trump has personally attacked at least 487 people on Twitter since he launched his presidential campaign. The dissonance is jarring and would be inconceivable in almost any other modern White House. Post columnist Dana Milbank was at the First Lady's event in the D.C. suburb of Rockville, and he says it was as though Nancy Reagan had given a just say no speech while her husband honored the occasion back at the White House by snorting cocaine during a live news conference. The East Wing isn't saying yet exactly where in Africa the First Lady plans to go. In January, you will recall, the president reportedly described African nations as shithole countries while telling members of Congress that he wanted to restrict immigration from the continent. Another open question, might Melania go to Kenya? As a leading cheerleader for the birther craze, Trump spent years falsely peddling the conspiracy theory that Barack Obama, a native of Hawaii, was in fact born in Kenya. It often feels like Donald and Melania are part of different administrations. This isn't the first time that they've had their differences. She has a separate bedroom from her husband in the White House, and when the two travel, they stay in separate hotel suites. Two weeks ago, the First Lady issued a statement praising LeBron James after the president attacked the basketball star's intellect. In June, during the family separation crisis that was created by her husband's zero-tolerance policy, The first lady wore a jacket during a visit to a facility near the Mexican border where kids had been taken away from their parents. The jacket said, quote, I really don't care. Do you? Melania's parents became U.S. citizens two weeks ago by taking advantage of a family reunification policy that Trump calls chain migration and is trying to stop other families from using. The list goes on and on. There are many other examples. Bigger picture, Mrs. Trump is poised to become the most iconoclastic first lady since Betty Ford. In 1975, Gerald Ford's wife lobbied aggressively and publicly for the ratification of the Equal Rights Amendment to the great consternation of the White House political team. Ronald Reagan was challenging the accidental president from the right for the Republican nomination. 
and the former California governor's team capitalized on Mrs. Ford's outspokenness on issues like premarital sex to galvanize social conservatives, such as Phyllis Schlafly. She literally picketed outside the Ford White House as part of her Stop ERA campaign. Internal polls conducted by the Reagan campaign in 1976 showed that Betty Ford was a drag on her husband in several key primaries that Reagan narrowly won, especially in the South. A spokeswoman for Melania Trump, Stephanie Grisham, emails that the First Lady is well aware of the criticism, but it won't deter her from doing what she feels is right. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one, Microsoft announced this morning that it has discovered and disabled fake websites connected to a group that is closely tied to the Russian government. Those sites were created to hack into the computers of anyone who visited. Among those targeted, the Hudson Institute, a conservative Washington think tank that's actively involved with investigations of corruption in Russia, as well as the International Republican Institute, which is a nonprofit group that promotes democracy worldwide. There were also fake websites set up to look like official U.S. Senate web pages, again, to break into the computers of anyone who visited. This effort's being orchestrated by the notorious APT28 hacking group, which actively interfered in the 2016 U.S. presidential election. APT28 has been linked publicly to Russian intelligence services. Meanwhile, as this news broke, Trump has gone back to refusing to accept the consensus of the intelligence community that Russia interfered in the 2016 election. In an interview with Reuters that published last night, the president once again raised doubts about whether he actually thinks Russia tried to meddle in America's election. Number two, in the face of mounting pushback from former national security officials, Trump said Monday that he would welcome a lawsuit from former CIA director John Brennan over his revoked security clearance. Not since dozens of former national security officials questioned Trump's credentials during the 2016 campaign have so many from their ranks taken a stand against him like this. Trump also threatened yesterday to pull the clearance of Bruce Orr, a senior Justice Department official, as well as Phil Mudd, a former CIA and FBI official, after the president saw a clip of him on CNN. This would mark a significant escalation in Trump's campaign to retaliate against his real and perceived critics. Several dozen former CIA officers, as well as former directors who served under presidents of both parties, have now signed public letters of opposition to Brennan losing his clearance. On Monday, 175 more people who've held a wide range of key national security jobs signed on to the statement of opposition. There's even mounting pushback coming from inside the White House. White House counsel Don McGahn and Chief of Staff John Kelly are both trying to slow the president from taking away people's credentials. McGahn argues the White House should have a more formal process for taking away clearances rather than taking action solely at the president's command. Meanwhile, The New Yorker magazine reports that Trump wanted to revoke Barack Obama's clearance last year, but he was talked out of it by then National Security Advisor H.R. McMaster. Number three. A 1998 memo written by Brett Kavanaugh proposed a battery of tough and graphic questions for then-President Bill Clinton to answer about his sexual misconduct with White House intern Monica Lewinsky. Trump's nominee for the Supreme Court wrote at the time that he was, quote, strongly opposed to giving Clinton any break in the independent counsel's investigation, which became about their relationship. The lewdness of the memo, which I won't repeat here, provides a contrast to the genial, soft-spoken nominee who's been choosing his words very carefully when he's in public these days. 
It shows how Kavanaugh is really a hardball tactician and lifelong Republican apparatchik. He's appeared to change his mind on executive power, depending on whether the president is a Republican or Democrat, revealing less a judicial philosophy and more of an outcomes-based approach to deciding cases. This is all relevant because Kavanaugh could become the deciding vote if a case comes before the high court related to special counsel Bob Mueller's investigation of Trump. The confirmation hearing starts the day after Labor Day, so Kavanaugh continues to make the rounds up on Capitol Hill. Today, he's meeting with Republican Senator Susan Collins of Maine, who's considered a swing GOP vote. She says she plans to ask him about abortion. Now, Collins says she supports abortion rights and has gone out of her way to downplay the many elements of his record that suggests he'd vote to overturn Roe v. Wade when he gets the chance. Collins said yesterday that she has not seen anything disqualifying, but she added that she has seen a number of issues that raise questions she needs to explore with him. And that's The Daily 202 for Tuesday, August 21st. Thanks for listening, and special thanks to Allison Michaels for filling in for me last week. I'm James Hellman. I'll talk to you tomorrow.